What's up, everybody? Justin Trues here and Dan Kiefer. We are here with another betting show of Talking Football. Listen, we didn't do it last week. That's my bad. Had to work thing. Couldn't make it happen. Dan was sitting here telling me what I should be betting on, what I shouldn't be betting on. We were going back and forth all weekend. I was telling him what we were going for. I didn't do too well on my parlays. I I went over three on my parlays. It, it was a rough one. And uh, him and I were going back and forth um, on our hybrid one that we made. Saturday, looking great. Went three and oh on a five leg parlay. And we're like, okay, just need it to go well on Sunday. It did not. Did not go well. Um, the Panthers are a problem at this point. Um, they're not very good, I don't think. I think they kind of fooled all of us at the start of the year. Or or the Cowboys just broke them. Like when they've got that first loss, like the Cowboys just broke them in general. Yeah, I uh we okay, so it, it is Tuesday when we're recording, just to be kosher with everybody. Uh we could have a very different Panthers team come Sunday. Uh they are one of what. 20 teams now rumored to be trading for a certain Houston quarterback. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, Carolina is definitely one of those preseason or early season darlings who have just kind of lost a little bit of their shine here. And is it a Sam Darnold problem? Is it a, Hey, you know, they haven't had Christian McCaffrey. They've had a rookie Chuba Hubbard toting the load a uh, couple interesting issues at Carolina, but yeah, they're definitely a team that uh, has lost a little bit of their shine. And anytime you lose a parlay because of a team, I mean, they're dead to you for a while. Yeah, 100%. And given the Utes did not help that because the Utes screwed us as well. And I mean, they're just dead to me just because they're always dead to me when they lose for about six days. And then I'm back in it on, you know, on Saturday. I'm back. I'm back. I, I, man, imagine being a Miami fan. Okay. Like the Dolphins every week. I, Sunday night, I am just big sad boy eating ice cream and pouring bourbon. And then, Monday, I kind of go, all right, well, you know, it's Monday night football. Hopefully I get a fantasy football win to cheer me up. Tuesday, I'm kind of, eh. Wednesday, I'm like, all right, yep, here we go. This weekend's the weekend. We got something to look forward to. And then Sunday, I just get shit on again. And it's yeah. it's it's a horrible process. Yeah. The key is, is just to lose 20 in a row and you lose all feeling. That's what I've done as a Jags fan. You just, yeah, like, and then you're you, numb to it. And then, and then oh, wait. you beat my right. team. Yeah. All right. Cool. 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 Good episode. All right. We're out of here. Well, this is fun, everybody. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Cool. So we got like um, nine picks each here um, that we're going after. And it's going to be interesting how this all plays out. So last time I went first, I'm going to let you go first this time. This time we did a better job of doing a good spread of college and NFL rather than me just doing all college and you doing all NFL this time. So um, I'll let you start it off and uh, hit us with some of your good picks. Now, this is interesting, Justin, because whenever you and Austin are doing picks training, you always be sure to mention the records from previously. So I just think I would be doing the show a disjustice if I did not start by saying on the year I'm seven and three and you are less than that. I'm six and four. Which is less than seven and three. It's just It is less. And wonder what that's a fair point. It's a different rundown sheet. So I'm not like going down like the order that I'm used to, but that's a fair point. And I'm glad you brought it up. I'm not trying to hide that you beat me last time because I I feel uh, pretty confident this week. I like your bets and I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to, you know, enjoy it while I got it. Because as we know, things can get sour in a hurry uh, in the betting world. But uh, one team who has carried me, this year on the college football side has been Ole Miss quarterback, Maddie covers corral, man. I just love it. You can't, 
I, I was telling you before the show, at this point, I'm basically blindly betting Ole Miss every week. They're favored by two and a half over Auburn on the road. Bo Nix has started to figure things out, which is a world I never thought we would quite frankly live in. But at the same time, Matt Crowell even hurt last weekend, just such a gutty dominant performance. In my opinion, he should be the Heisen favorite. Ole Miss, if it wasn't for that Alabama game, would be a top seven team in the country right now. The defense is playing better. The offense is always lethal. I like I like Ole Miss two and a half. Yeah, um, I really like this one as well. I was telling you before we started, I'm like, oh, I didn't even see this one. I don't know how I skipped over it, but I also love this. So one thing that we are going to be doing here is we're, you know, we posted on social last week, even though we didn't do an episode, we were always going to make a five-team parlay or a five-leg parlay between the two of us that we both agree on. Um, This is one of them. We are going to put Ole Miss at minus two and a half. Um, That is going to be part of the five-legger. So I'm super excited about that one. Um, I'll go, I'll go with my first college football one. This one might hurt you a little bit, but I do have Iowa at plus three over Wisconsin. Um, I just don't think Wisconsin's very good this year. I just, I just don't see it. Um, you're right. given <laughs> you're right. They're not I just telling you, you're right. Yeah. They're not very good. Um, and I get why they're plus three, or minus. I get why Wisconsin's minus three, right? Like one, they're at home. Two, they just put a whooping on on Purdue, who Iowa lost to two weeks ago. But Iowa's been sitting on this loss. They had a bye last week. They're still in the top ten. They still control their own destiny in the Big Ten. I think they are going to come out hungry and ready to go. Um, even though Wisconsin might be gaining a little bit of momentum with that win. I mean, it's just, Iowa's just one of those teams that you're like, I just always expect Iowa to win. It's weird, like, and never win big. It's, it's going to be ugly sometimes, but they're just a team that they're not going to beat themselves. Um, they're a team that I think is a recipe for success after a loss, like because they don't beat themselves. They're just like, okay, let's just go and do, get ready and, you know, take care of business. Right. Yeah. And so there's layers to this game. And actually, this is actually my next game. So this is going to segue really nice is it's Halloween weekend, which Madison is a top five party school. I don't care how you slice it. And it's also homecoming for Wisconsin. Okay, so whoever scheduled that in the Wisconsin office, one, what are you doing? The police department is furious with you. Truly furious, okay? So we got that going for us. Wisconsin has an elite defense. There's no way around that. They always do under Jim Leonard. That's why he's rumored for NFL defensive coordinator and college head coach jobs every year. The defense is always good. What Wisconsin did last week when they put a beat down on Purdue is they simply ran the ball. I mean, where have you heard that before with the Wisconsin team? All they do is run the ball, right? Pass when you have to. And it worked. So I wouldn't be surprised to them go back to that. I actually stayed away from the Iowa plus three in this, I bet the under 36 and a half, which is a super low under, it's actually ballooned up to 36 and a half. I think it opened at 34. And that's because of the Wisconsin linebackers, uh, Leo Chanel and Jack Sanborn. I think they, if anyone's going to shut down the Iowa tandem of, uh, of the, the tailback Tyler Goodson and the tight end, uh, Sam Laporta, their leading receiver, leading rusher, it's going to be the Wisconsin linebackers. Okay, Leo Chanel has been an absolute force the last, like, three or four weeks. At inside backer, he's got, like, six sacks. It's insane. He's killing it. So I think Iowa probably does win this game. I don't know if it'll be by three. I don't know if it'll be by two, by one, by seven. But I'm thinking the under is going to hit in this because 
this is going to be an old-fashioned Big Ten struggle fast back and forth. A 17-10 to 10 game would not surprise me at all. And the Badgers are going to be hungover, so there's that. So there's that as well. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the how it's, you know, ballooned into 36 and a half instead of 34. I mean, the exact reason why we want to try to get these episodes out earlier in the week is because you can take advantage of some of the, you know, you can take advantage of numbers, you know, one way or the other. Um, obviously, in this case, we, we like that it grew because we're trying to go the under. But a lot of the cases when we want to go over, um, it balloons up. And so you're losing that advantage here. So, um, yeah, I'm actually going to take another under as well here. excuse me and that's going to be mizzou at vandy and it's under and i'm going to take under 63 63 is a crazy high number considering vanderbilt has scored more than 24 points once this season and it was against uconn and we talked about uconn our last episode literally one of the worst college football teams there is um yeah and they also have four games under 10 points this year and we're talking games uh, given one is against Georgia, which is honestly a little bit understandable, but like you got Florida and all those, uh, all those teams as well. Like I just 63 is a ton when you truly believe one school, one school is not going to score 20 points. I mean, like you're now saying, okay, Mizzou literally has to put up over 40 for this to go over. And Mizzou does have the offense to do that. I mean, they're averaging, I think it would end up being, I can't remember the exact number. It was somewhere around like 36 points is what they're averaging, which I mean, pretty dang close. Right. But when you have the other team not averaging more than 20 um, it's hard to, Go, go the over on a 63. 63 is a high number. So give me the under on Vandy versus uh, Mizzou. Yeah, I like that there. Uh, two historically bad football teams could be, yeah, a crazy – when you can see an under, under, excuse me, an over-under like that, 63, such a high number, and there's not a dominant offensive force included, you got to at least want to tease that one way or another and get something. Uh, you'll get some skin in the game. Uh, I'm sticking with Old Faithful here to begin the, the pod, Justin. I'm once again betting on Cincinnati. Uh, it timed out perfect because I would have taken them last week to cover against Navy, and they didn't. Uh, I think we're going to get a bounce back this week because once you know it, all season Cincinnati's been dominating. Everyone was saying, you know, this is a great team. They're awesome. You know, they kill everybody. College football playoff guaranteed. They have one hiccup against Navy one and all of a sudden they're trash their team that shouldn't be included in the college football playoff you know if they played Bama they'd lose by 70 this team's trash what are they doing they're an AAC team they don't even belong in the conversations with the power five what are we doing and I could not be more thankful those conversations are happening because that's exactly what Cincinnati needs to hear Okay, you need to go back to kicking the shit out of everybody. Tulane's a one and six football team. They early season, we thought they were kind of juicy when they flirted with Oklahoma for a weekend, and they've done nothing since. Absolutely nothing. This is a flat football team. This is a broken football team. I expect Cincinnati to come in, Isaiah Ford to establish a tone early, Desmond Ritter to get a couple big play action plays, and Cincinnati just roll through Tulane. Yeah, so I was actually one of those people that did take Cincinnati at minus 29 last weekend. RIP. Lost that. Yep, RIP. And I did the last-minute swap which you never do, but I did that. I took out the Ole Miss at minus 9 um, <gasps> over no. LSU. Yeah, so that hurt. Given, again, 
that parlay lost to like, cause I had Utah in that one as well. So like, it wasn't just Cincinnati, but um, it's funny you brought that up. Cause I actually did send out a tweet during um, that game, given I was a little just upset that I was losing my parlay, but I didn't say that they deserve it or they're not good. I just said, I could see when college football playoff poll comes out, which comes out next Tuesday. Um, I could see them being ranked, even though they're probably going to be second in the AP polls. I could see them being fourth in the college football polls. I could, I still think it's going to be a Georgia Alabama at one and two. And then, and then it's all up either Cincy or Oklahoma at three, four, however they dice it up. But I really could see Cincinnati being down at the bottom, but still in it. Um, I just think that you have a close game and given Navy's tough, right? Like that triple option is not an easy thing to do. It's very, you know, very unorthodox. Like you don't face it very often. It's very hard to prep for when you literally have a, only a couple of days. Cause you got to remember it's travel time as well. Like you don't have a ton of time to prep for it. Um, so it is tough, but I could see that um, the college football playoff committee kind of punishing him for a close game. Yeah, definitely. It, it, and it sucks. I mean, we see it every year. You know, Cincinnati hasn't lost a game, but there's always some kind of skid mark on a resume. And unfortunately, at this point, it seems like Navy is going to be that for Cincinnati. Yeah, agreed. Um, Okay, I'm going to skip my next one because we both have it. So we'll do that one at the end. Um, Next one is I'm going another under. Man, two unders right here, which I don't completely love, but um, I'm going under 70 for Duke and Wake Forest. Um, 70 points is ridiculous. We talked about this during the last episode, like how those numbers are insane unless you have a crazy good offense. And I get it. Wake Forest literally put up 70 points last weekend. Like they they covered this spread by themselves last weekend. Um, But again, besides that game, they're averaging 33 points a game. Um, Duke is just a bad team. We talked about them actually last episode as well. They're just not very good. I could, I can easily see this like a 40 to 14 type game, even a 40 to 21 game. And you're still quite a bit under that 70 right now. So, um, I think that Wake Forest walks away with an easy win here. Um, I just don't see this being the high scoring game. I think Wake Forest is going to be able to get up early in the first half and then they're going to be able to just coast the second half. It's not going to be like last week where they're going to have to be going toe to toe with the team and actually have to score the 70 points. Yeah. Uh, love that. Wake has been a fun team this year, by the way, Sam Hartman, that they're just a fun team to watch. If you're in that mid afternoon slot where your team played at 11 or you guys got the night game and you just want a fun game to watch, you know, just something to keep you engaged throw on that wake game just for the wake offense. It's incredibly engaging. It's a good time. Uh, You said we're going to skip our double game. So I'm going to flip down to Washington getting two and a half over Stanford. Okay. What is Washington? Every year we do this. We're preseason. They're a team that, Oh, they're a dark horse for the playoff. And then week two or three, they completely shit the bed and we stop talking about them. So for me, this is two very evenly matched teams offensively. I would give Stanford, I'm sorry, Washington just the edge slightly because I do like buying them at tight end. Washington has a way of utilizing these highly athletic tight ends. So it comes down to the defense for me. Something we've always stressed, right? Here's the thing, okay? Total yards, just total yards. Washington is 82nd and only allowing the sixth most passing yards. Flip side, Stanford is at is 185th total allowing over 400 yards of offense and allowing over 200 yards of rushing per game. 
Neither one of these defenses is great. I think Washington's a little bigger. This is a team that had high aspirations when the season began. This is a team that always at the end of the season, you look back and they do pretty well. So I'm taking them over Stanford because I like to have a couple dogs in my ticket. You can't pick all favorites. It never works out, people. So I got to have to sprinkle in a couple dogs. One of the dogs I like this weekend is Washington. Go figure. Give me the Huskies as a dog. Yeah, go figure. Love that. Um, I, I actually like this pick as well. I mean, I don't think Stanford's very good. I mean, yes, they beat Oregon. Like, that was a, it was an impressive win. But other than that, man, they really have not been that impressive. Like, we all thought the, like that USC win early on in the season was impressive. Turns out it's really not impressive. So, um, yeah, I, I like this pick. Um, I think that Washington can pull that one out. Um, speaking of dogs, here's mine. Uh, I guess I already went with one with Iowa, but I'll go with the second one. And I'm taking Penn State at 18, plus 18 and a half. Um, I still think that Ohio State wins this game. Um, just every time I watch these two teams play, it always comes down to the wire. It's always a great game. It's a rival game. Like It's hard to go with these huge spreads, even when one team's bad and one team's good. I think part of this is because they lost to Illinois last week. Um, and so I was like, oh, Penn State's really not that good because Illinois honestly looked like it was a garbage, you know, truck on fire or something like that before that game with their head coach going off and basically saying their entire offensive line, the whole depth is just god awful. Um, somehow, somehow that motivated the team, which I don't know how that did, but it motivated Illinois, which is a strange way of doing it, but good for him, I guess. Um, I just, I think Ohio State's a better team. I think Ohio State wins the game. I just have a hard time believing they win by three scores. This is a weird game. Uh, If you look at Ohio State, they've gotten better each week. Uh, C.J. Stroud specifically has gotten better each week. And between Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and, you know, Zach Harrison on defense. And this is a, on paper, Ohio State is 18 and a half points better than Penn State. I think, I think on paper, the problem is you actually have to play the game. And like you said, you know, Penn State should be hungry. Uh, Historically, these two teams play each other very close. You know, historically, these are 38, 35 games, you know, um, when you look at it over the past. So, yeah, I could see Penn State definitely hanging within 18 and a half. This is weird for a team that spent a good chunk of the year in the top 10 to be so much of a dog. Uh, against an Ohio State but same time this is a game that Ohio State if they get up they could definitely just pour it on with a CJ Stroud and company so this is going to be a very interesting game 18 and a half is a huge line so I, I like the take there but uh, I looked at this and for me it was just there was too many variables I just kind of got uh, scared off by this one uh, so I, I stayed that's away totally from fine. it that's totally fine I mean CJ Stroud scares the shit out of me like you said that they could pour it on like that offense can I just Maybe I'm just bullish on this Penn State defense. Like, I, watching that game last week, man, like, I know it's just Illinois, but, like, stop after stop after stop on, on this new whole overtime rule, man. Like, that is some big-time pressure on defenses. Like, you got, literally have one play to stop them. Like, that's full advantage offense. Like, when you only have to gain two yards and you get just get one play and you got a defense that's going to be trying to talk to each other super quickly, they don't have a ton of time. I just think that like that's advantage for the offense and man, nine overtimes was insane and still hit. Uh, okay. Thunder, so while insane. we're there, before we top into the last college game here, I got to ask you, how do you feel about the college overtime rules specifically in comparison to the NFL? Um, I mean, it's, I hate the NFL one. So um, I just, I hate that. Like, even if you score a touchdown, I think 
in, if we're going to NFL, even if you score a touchdown, I think the other team should have a chance. Like that's, that's my belief. I think that yep. it, nothing should come from a coin flip. Like literally there's zero skill in it. So like, that's right. Like, I mean, you should bullshit. never, you should never have a game, you know, even in the playoffs, a season ended with your, like you should never have a game end with a player like Patrick Mahomes never touching the ball. Exactly. Like, like that's, not getting a that's, chance. So like that's bullshit. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So on the college side, the fact that you can literally not have a tie might be my favorite thing in the world. That's the best part. That literally is the best part that you're not going to have to tie. I was going to say, like, in the NFL, I kind of don't mind the tie as much just because because there's seven teams on each side that makes the playoffs. Ties aren't as big of a thing. Like, in college, obviously, it's huge, right? Only four teams make the playoffs and all that. Like, you can't end off ties. Um, the whole not only, only one play thing. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, not only that, but in college, you know, we say, you know, a loss is such a big deal. A tie is treated as a loss in college. It is because mm-hmm. if you're, you know, let's just say Cincinnati is probably a bad example. Let's say Iowa. Okay. If Iowa is, you know, 10 and one and one and their tie is to a, a Maryland or a Nebraska, you know, a team that's about considered a bottom feeder, that's going to get looked at as a loss because you didn't win. Versus where, okay, hey, they narrowly, narrowly escaped with a win over Maryland or Nebraska. A tie is seen that as a loss. So in my opinion, you have to have a winner and a loser. That's why, that's why you keep score, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, like, I mean, a perfect example, here it is, is let's just say Ohio State goes on, wins out. Let's say Oregon goes out and they tie Utah, but then they win the rest of their games. Now, you know, Oregon would be going in at 10, one and one, and then Ohio state would be 11 and one, but Oregon beat Ohio state. Like, but the people are going to be voting for Ohio state because they They're don't have a tie, but, but <laughs> right. yeah, it's, Ohio state in Ohio state already. Right. It would be, it would be awful. Yeah. And I do think maybe, you know, after the fifth overtime, scoot it back 10 yards. So yeah. you're, you know, not in like automatic field goal range or just say that no more field goals. You have to, you have to have touchdowns only and only two point convergence. Uh, I think you can make some kind of adjustment like that to eliminate ideally these nine overtime, overtime games, but you never make a rule change because of the exception, you know, because of the outlier in nine overtimes. Hey, we've seen this over the last 10 years. That's an outlier. This is a once in a billion Saturdays situation. Yeah, it is. And I mean, and I do like the new rule of like after third overtime, it's literally just one play from the two yard line. Like I Mm -hmm. do like, I do like that, but like, also I kind of agree that I, I kind of like it more. It's like, I get it because they're trying to do less plays for the team. So less injury risk, but I kind of like it from the 10 and give them a couple, a couple plays to do Like the one play is it just took forever, especially in that game, because they were they were swapping sides of the field because and they were Illinois, walking. They were walking because Illinois is like I want away from the fan base, like the school yep. se- the student section, and Penn State's like, well, I want to the school section. So they're walking back and forth, and I was just like, oh my goodness, this game lasted probably thirty to forty minutes longer than it should have just because they're you know swapping right. the field. And, and this was the worst case scenario. But by the way, hey, shout out Big Ten because if anybody was going to hit the under in a nine overtime game. It was the Big Ten. On the flip side, if this was a Big 12, 
you know, like the army game where it was 70 to 66 with wake and army last week, if it was that, and it was touchdown, 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 people would have been talking about this. Like it was the greatest football game ever played. Instead, it was a struggle, a literal struggle, struggle on both sides. So everybody said it sucked. I still thought it was great, but I get where if this was a nine overtime touchdown fest, everybody would have loved it. But since it was a, you know, a score to struggle basically for an extra hour and a half. Oh my God. It's the worst thing ever. Yeah, totally. Oh man. The quarterback. And I can't remember his name, the Illinois quarterback, man, his, his forearm just snapped on that like third <laughs> overtime. Oh my goodness. I keep, like it's... they kept showing it. And I was just like, please stop showing this. Like I can't watch <laughs> this anymore. <laughs> oh, good uh, Lord. Yeah. Okay. Last college game. And we both have this game. Um, and that is Georgia at, four, at minus 14 over Florida. Game's in Jacksonville, like always. Um, and I just have to take Georgia. This team is so good. Clearly the best team in college football. Florida looks like a hot mess. Offensively, defensively, everything. Like, they just don't look themselves. That This is not the Florida team that we saw against Alabama that took them down to the wire. Like, it's weird to say that, like, that game, like, should have given Florida confidence. And I don't know if it actually did. Like they've looked no, really absolutely bad. Not. Like, uh, you know, there's certain things that coaches are known for. Uh, Dan Mullen is a quarterback guru, uh, whether media appointed, or if you want to actually look at it, he's done a very good job historically developing quarterbacks. Another thing that coaches control is penalties. You know, how, mindful your team is how knowledgeable and prepared and ready they are for the game every florida game i've seen this year there are at least five penalties where this team is just shooting themselves in the foot okay you might as well just throw another shoe this team does nothing but hurt themselves consistently giving away free possessions or shortening their own and to get back to the original point dan mullen a quarterback whisperer who the hell's Florida's quarterback? They got Emory I mean, Jones, who is basically a glorified college Taysom Hill at this point. Yeah. And then they got DR. I, I don't know who I'd trust. You, you know, so you can't have a, a, a coach who is a quarterback guy and you don't know your quarterback and then have an undisciplined team show up on Saturdays and expect this to go well. I'm not saying Mullen's coaching for his job or anything like that. I think he's safe. I'm just saying this is a pretty piss poor job of coaching so far. And it's showing up on Saturdays. Like you said, this is not a traditional Florida team. Yeah, it's really so um, And Georgia has just looked unstoppable. And they, exactly. Couldn't agree with you more on any of that. Um, Emory Jones, man. So early on, like before the yeah. season, remember when he was a guy, <laughs> he was a guy, dude, I put, I put 20 bucks down for him to win Heisman. Just because his odds were so good, I was just like because he had Dan it, Mullen. Fuck it, he had Dan Mullen. He, I mean, he looked he looked good in the you know spare time that he played last year when they would take Kyle Trask out. Like the hype was there, and like his odds were so low that I was like, man, it's great for a shot in the dark. I mean, that was that was the oh, biggest sure. throwaway no, no, yeah, twenty dollars yeah. I've ever had. You know, SEC quarterback, highly athletic, good quarterback. You know, pedigree of, of you know players that have came through there. Absolutely, for twenty bucks yeah. is worth it worth a shot in the dark and you know hey we'll just we'll just have to make that up this week when we're picking nfl games yeah exactly right so great segue there all right um moving over to nfl uh i'm gonna go with uh tampa bay at minus five over new orleans 
Um, I think that Tom Brady is one still very bitter about being one and two against new Orleans and not winning the division last year, even though they won the super bowl, that's Tom Brady. Like he's just going to find something to be mad about. Right. Like he's still mad about, you know, being a fifth round pick and all that shit. Like he, he's got to find something to motivate him at this point. Like it, that's going to be the motivating factor. One new and two new Orleans just played on Monday night, all the way in Seattle, having to travel all the way home. So short week for them. Um, and they honestly didn't look that good either. I mean, Seattle's not that good of a team and they barely squeaked by that game. And Tampa Bay seems to be hitting on all cylinders right now, every wide receiver. And if Antonio Brown is back, like they're even more dangerous. Leonard Fournette has figured out how to be an NFL running back and he looks great. This defense is getting after the quarterback, just like how they did in the Super Bowl now. Um, DBs still not great. Um, at least their safeties are. Cornerbacks are still not great for them. So that's a little bit of worry. But I mean, the Saints don't have anybody on uh, as wide receivers that scare you. So like it's the Alvin Kamara show. But I'm honestly, I'm going to trust Devin White to slow him down. So um, I'm going to take New Orleans, or sorry, I'm going to take Tampa Bay over New Orleans by five. Yeah, I love this pick. Uh, anyone who watched a Monday Night Football game, if you haven't had enough of Jameis Winston, I don't know what you're watching. The, he. The receivers can't stand him anymore. This guy just adamantly misses throws. Short to intermediate, he couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. It is painful to watch. And I feel so bad for Alvin Kamara being such a weapon in that short intermediate. Now, we saw a second half. Things really picked up. But, man, it's New Orleans is a mess. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if at some point in this game we start to see that Taysom package come back because this is painful right now for New Orleans. And there's a lot of quarterbacks going to be on the move this offseason, if not sooner. And I would not be, I almost guarantee Jameis Winston's not the starter next year for New Orleans because this is, it's been a fun, it's been a fun ride, but this is enough is enough. On the flip side, the Buccaneers, Tom Brady is arguably playing the best football of his career at 73 years old. Uh, you know, he just, and only Tom Brady could take the situation of the ball, you know, uh, Everybody's seeing the fan that caught the 600th touchdown pass got ripped off. And then Tom Brady's like, oh, hey, you know, what if, uh, what do you say we just give him a Bitcoin on top of everything else we already gave him? Like just a very casual $60,000 Bitcoin. So Tom Brady remains undefeated. I think you're right. He will find a way to get pissed off about New Orleans. Being one and two against them is a perfect way to do it. And uh, yeah, I I wish I would have thrown this on my ticket because the Tampa Bay at negative five is a dream. Uh, for New Orleans. On the flip side, I'm taking a dog. First NFL dog of the week is I'm taking Detroit to cover three and a half against the Philadelphia Eagles. Dan Campbell might be the most infectious head coach in the world. Uh, he is so enduring and genuine in his press conferences, and it reflects with the team. Last week against the Rams, he played like a pissed off teenager on Madden. We're going to fake, we're going to run a fake punt. We're going to score. We're going to kick an onside kick. And guess what? We're going to run another fake punt. You know, you can't, you know, he, there are no rules. He is coaching the way every coach that has a freebie year, like, hey, we know we're going to suck out there. It is what it is. It's a quote unquote building year. Every coach that's in one of those should coach like Dan Campbell, like you have nothing to lose because you don't. And the team is reacting to that. They hung right with the Rams for a long time last week. And that is a team they have no business 
absolutely no business hanging with. So in comes the Eagles. I tell you, man, I the Eagles are not good. Don't let fantasy football fool you. Jalen Hurts is a bad quarterback. So I'm not saying the Lions are going to win. They could. They very well could. But I like them to cover three and a half, only losing by a field goal if that. Uh, yeah, I, I'm liking Detroit here. Yeah, uh, I was like super skeptical of the whole Campbell hire, like when it happened, like um, PC principal like, from South Park. Yeah, yeah, totally right. <laughs> yeah, and so, but he's been perfect for Detroit, like he really has. Um, and yeah, I agree with you with the Eagles. They're just not a very good team. Jalen Hurts, fa- fantasy football god right now, like literally fantastic, but not good NFL quarterback. And um, there's actually rumors coming out today um, that. If they keep losing at some point, they may just pull out uh, Gardner Minshew and let him just play the last couple of games of the season just to just to see what they got. Which don't I mean, forget, they, don't have- they also have Miami Dolphins legend Reed Sennett at quarterback, uh, current NFL record holder for most passing yards in a preseason game. Oh my goodness! <laughs> you and I your, was sad. your yeah, I was so sad, sad when he got claimed. So sad. Um, but I, honestly, I, I do. I think that the Lions, this is one of their true opportunities to win a game. Um, they don't have very many left in this year, um, but I do like this one. Uh, so, so good on that one. Uh, San Francisco at Chicago. This is mine. Uh, I'm going the over 39. And I, I understand. I understand how bad Chicago has looked. I understand how bad San Francisco has looked. It's just 39 points. Like I have I such a, I just have such a hard time believing two NFL teams are not going to score 20 points. Like I just, it's so hard for me. Like the moment I see something under 40, I'm like, I have to take it. I just have to yep. like, there can be a broken plate. Each team has one broken play on defense where the other team scores a touchdown. You're halfway there basically. Like it's just, um, and honestly, neither defense is that good. Like they're really both kind of bad. Um, so these offenses might look a little bit better than what they are. Um, so get, give me over 39 and yeah, I'm going to be bullish here. A Rob hey, gets into the end zone. A Rob hey, gets in the end zone um, this week. I was going to say, you know, best thing for that Chicago offense is uh head coach Nagy tested positive for COVID. So he's totally. out Sunday. Uh, so yep. who knows? We could see a whole new Justin Fields come Sunday folks. Uh, and then, Hey, San Fran's getting a bad rap, but they played in a hurricane uh, Sunday night with Indianapolis. So that's sticking in people's mind. I think both those pushed the under down. Uh, so yeah, I like the over here at 39. I'm going with another over. I'm going to take Miami heading north to Buffalo. Buffalo coming off a bye here. Uh, Buffalo is favored by like 13 and a half, smash that. But I'm concentrating on the over at 49 and a half. I'm not positive Buffalo doesn't do that by themselves. Uh, if you look at the last couple of games, Buffalo-Miami, it is an absolute bloodbath, folks. Uh, I think Buffalo gets to at least 35, if not 42, rather easily in their sleep. And then Tua's looked really good for Miami. Uh, for anybody that doesn't know, the first four games of the season, Miami with their had two offensive coordinators, still do. They have co-offensive coordinators. And their quarterback coach is who was calling plays, Charlie Fry, who has never called plays at any level of football ever. Uh, that's changed the last two weeks that Tua came back. Eric Godsey is now calling plays. Offense has been com- comparable. They, they, they've been... They've been okay. 
you know, they had uh, Tua had a big game this weekend, scored like 35 fantasy points, and which is great. Okay, so I kind of like Miami to get in that 14-21 range. So if we're doing the numbers in our head here, 42 for Buffalo, let's call it 17 or 21 for Miami. That's in the 60s. We just smashed the over. So I'm taking the over here. Uh, could be a big game, especially with the Bills coming off their bye week. Yeah. Uh, this is part of this is going to be part of our five game or five leg parlay as well because I totally agree with this one. Um, yeah, so you brought up fantasy with with Tua had a huge name. Um, if you look at DFS, all of the best lineups had Tua, Tua. In as their quarterback because he's he so cheap. He's like fifty three hundred bucks or something like that. Yeah, super cheap. Um, I'm super happy that you're saying that you think Buffalo is going to score a shit ton of points because in my main DFS lineup right now, I'm actually going heavy on the Bills. I have. Josh Allen, Zach Moss, Zach Moss, and I'm going Sanders and Diggs. I'm playing all four Bills. I'm yeah. just saying, I'm just saying, fuck it, <laughs> let's go. It. Yeah, I like especially I, Knox just, hurt. Oh yeah, exactly right. That was one of my main reasons. And then I still have like by doing that because like Moss is so cheap and Sanders is still pretty cheap. I can get James Robinson against Seattle in my lineup. I can get T Higgins, who's like leading the NFL in targets, like insanely. Um, and then I, I still have Daryl Henderson in my lineup as well. Who's been like, sneaky. Uh, awesome. Who's been sneaky. Awesome. I'm like one, I given, I had to go super cheap and had to go uh, Ar- Arnold Jaguars tight end right now. Like I'll probably switch that up. So I had to go super cheap on tight end, but I'm like, dude, the rest of my team looks stacked. I feel very confident with given I end up making about 30 DFS lineups a week, but like that's, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, uh, I try to save it to like Saturdays, but like on Tuesdays, I always make one just because I get too excited. And that's where I'm at. That's where I'm you at. Have to, yeah, I, I'm probably going to, I got Zach Moss in two leagues. And I'm probably going to flex him out uh, this weekend because uh, I think, yeah, Miami struggles uh, stopping the run and Buffalo could get up early and run. And honestly, if they run the ball, they might move the ball just as effective as when they pass. So yeah. I, yeah, just, it sucks to be a Miami fan. <laughs> Next game. <laughs> Next game. Um, this one's a little tough for me because it is a little high, but I just, it's more just faith um, here. Um, this is the New England Patriots and the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm going over 49. Uh, you know, kind of a high number here, but also Chargers are coming off of a bye. They're looking super good. New England actually, all of their wins this year have been against rookie quarterbacks. And those are the ones that they're not struggling on when they're facing vet quarterbacks. They actually have struggled a little bit. And also the chargers can't stop anybody on the run and new England looks like they've found their run game. And so I honestly could see some big run plays from the Patriots, get some fair amount of points. And we know this chargers offense can score with the best of them. So, I mean, I have faith that this is going to be very similar to that new England Dallas game a couple of weeks ago. That's going to be hitting that over on 49. Yeah, uh, so I think the bye came at the perfect time for the Chargers. Uh, they got beat up pretty bad against Baltimore, so that bye, nice reset, have Herbert get right. And like you said, uh, New England found their running game. The Chargers haven't had a run defense since 2008, and uh, this, I think that's actually pretty accurate. Um, uh, so, yeah, Damian Harris, I would another guy I'd smash in a DFS lineup. Uh, because New England has found their formula for winning and it is establish the run and then have Mac Jones pick you apart when he needs to in the short intermediate game. Over 49, I think it's a pretty good call there. Uh, I'm grabbing another over. Uh, Cincinnati going to the Jets, and there's layers in this people, and I get it. 43 is a middling over-under, and the Jets are a bad football team. But Justin, I don't know if you've been paying attention to your phone today. Do you know who the Jets brought in? 
Uh, I don't know. I saw that they traded for Joe Flacco, right? Yeah, that's right. We have an elite quarterback, quarterback <laughs> in the Jets. Uh, hey, say what you will. Zach Wilson's had a rough rookie year. Okay. I don't know if it's he's trying to do too much or if it's true because the team around him is, you know, trash. But either way, I think Flacco is actually going to get this offense moving just because he's going to put players in position to succeed better. The check with me's blocking assignments. Flacco is going to be able to control that more than Zach Wilson. Just be, It's just the game hasn't slowed down for Wilson yet. It's not his fault. He's going to get there eventually, folks. But I think Flacco coming in, you look at the weapons, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis. These are all guys who can be explosive. We saw Elijah Moore on a reverse this week, take it to the house for the Jets. So whether it's Flacco or Mike White, I think that both those guys, when they're playing with nothing to lose, are just going to give you know their teams more opportunity to score. Uh, simply. And on Cincinnati side, probably the biggest surprise of the NFL season is the Cincinnati Bengals and their truly explosive offense. Uh, everybody gave him shit for taking chase over Pene Sewell and Burrow gave the blessing for the pick probably, you know, wanted Jamar chase and it's working out great. They're explosive as all get up. The passing game is, you know, borderline unstoppable right now. I think this is going to be a big Joe Mixon game because the Jets have a bad run defense. Samaj P. Ryan might not even be a bad play in DFS if you can get him cheap and you go stud heavy and just need a running back to fill in later. So I like the over at 43 here. Once again, how hard can it be for two NFL teams to score 20 some points? Exactly right. Um, the whole P Ryan thing is so interesting to me because one, I, he is a good player. So that kind of makes sense. But like they paid Joe Mixon all this money and given Bengals are winning. So like there's like who the fuck cares really? But like they all offseason, they talked about how Joe Mixon was going to be the, they said Christian McCaffrey of our offense and stuff like that. And they, they are not giving him the passing workload that. I thought they were going to. I mean, this goes with Antonio Gibson as well. Like it is like that. Well, he's been hurt. So you know, Gibson's been hurt. He has. He, he does have a fracture, fracture in his shin. But like even before he got hurt, though, it, it still feels like it's McKissick that's going to be that pass catching running back for Washington there. So, um, but I agree. Again, how hard is it to score? I mean, you guys need to score 23, 22 points each. Like that's Well, right. well you think about it. Like, okay, if the Jets can get 17, okay, if they can bullshit their way into 17 points. If Cincinnati gets to 28, which four touchdowns seems incredibly attainable, Easy. right there, that's 45. So, yeah. you know, good J- math. Jamar Chase might get that by himself, to be honest. Yeah. That oh, my is. God. That one play he had this weekend where he spun away from the defender yeah. and just, like, everybody, like, stopped and looked at him. He's like, I'm not down. And he just yes. went. Yeah. It's a, he's yeah. out of this world. Yep. It, it really is. Really is. Um, okay. Last one. And we both have this one. So we saved it for the last. And that is Dallas at minus two and a half on Sunday night football. Um for me, it's simple. Dallas has looked fantastic all year. I mean, they have one loss, and it was that Thursday night opener where they honestly almost won that game as well. They're putting up tons of points. Defense is moving. We talked about them last episode as well. I mean, Dan Quinn has done an amazing job with this defense. Switching to that 3-4 has been huge for them. Um, they're fast. They're competitive. Um, I mean, it does worry me a little bit because, like, Jamar – I mean, I almost said Jamar Chase. Justin Jefferson is um, very, very good. Adam Thielen, I mean, he's slowing down a little bit, but still a great weapon. Dalvin Cook's going to be healthy finally. Um, so it does worry me a little bit, but I just have a hard time seeing Dallas losing on Sunday night football off of a bye, given both teams are off a of bye. Yeah, and Minnesota has a bad secondary. We've talked about it, and if – 
Minnesota fans weren't worried enough about the chance that Michael Gallup comes back. I have some really bad news for you. Dallas rediscovered that they have Sidarius Lamb, wide receiver from Oklahoma on their roster. And he is, as the youths would say, hashtag good at football. Uh, dude's a freak. I mean, it, yeah, coming off the bye, I think Dallas is going to, they could very easily dominate this game. And of course, you know, hey, the stars shine brightest in the big stage and Dak is going to see this stage as one more reason of why I deserve that contract. Everybody didn't say I was a top five NFL quarterback. Well, let me show you what Uh, I don't, I think Dak gets it done. And if not, we've talked about how much we love that run game of Pollard and Zeke. So Dallas for me has too many weapons and Minnesota has been a fun team. Uh, They've had some nice little wins over like Detroit and whatnot to hang on 500. But right about now is last year when they really started to fall off. So I can see that happening again in a NFC North that's eventually just going to be won by the Packers anyway. So I like Dallas to cover two and a half here pretty easy, even with Minnesota being the home team. Love it. All right. Okay. So that leaves us with our five leg parlay. Um, it's going to be all the games that we've kind of talked about, um, our five, five favorites. So we are going with Ole Miss at minus two and a half over Auburn. We're going to go with Georgia at minus 14 over Florida. We're going to go with um, the over 49 and a half between the Dolphins and the Bills. We're going to go that minus two and a half of Cowboys over the Vikings. And then we're going to go with Tampa Bay minus five over New Orleans. That is our five leg parlay. Time to make some money. Yeah, I'd I, I say that both episodes we've recorded, and I say this, and I'm once again shocked. We just talked about 17, 18 different football games, and I can't believe we got them all right. It's just absolutely mind-boggling to me, but so I, I don't see how any of these don't hit. We're God, we're so good. So yeah. So let us know. Hey, if you play any of these bets, let us know when we made you money. Otherwise, keep it to yourself. Uh, so Teresa, yeah. it's been fun. It, it has been fun. I mean, I I love to say it's not gambling when you know you're gonna win, right? So um, you know, that's how it goes around here. Um, but yeah, we'll be back next week with another episode of this, um, our our betting show that we love to do. And tonight we've been talking football.